Welcome to The Drive with Josh Downs, a faith-based coaching podcast where I'll share weekly thoughts, principles, insights, and more, all designed to help you build a better self, to better love yourself, so that you can better become all you were meant to be. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another week of The Drive Podcast. I'm Josh Downs, and today's episode is episode 512, Who Are You? A Lesson in Mental Health. I wanted to share a few thoughts with you on mental health because I actually gave a little bit of a presentation just this past week to a chamber, a local chamber of commerce here within my community. And the, the premise of that uh, presentation was mental health in the workplace and at home. And to be honest, at first I was a little concerned about there being such a difference between both topics. I saw them very differently until the more I thought about it, I realized, oh, no, what? they're not so different after all. Managers and bosses in a lot of ways tend to act like parents. Employees in a lot of ways tend to act like children. <laughs> I've been there. I've been an employee really my whole life. And, uh, and then, of course, we have parents at home. We have children at home. So they weren't really all that different. And a lot of the things that I learned in, in preparing for this were actually very similar in being able to be applicable at both home and at the workplace. Obviously, the, the nature of this podcast is it's um, being directed mostly to those that uh, I would say would be at home, right, or that have uh, children. However, it can also be very much applicable to you if you are an employee or a manager. It, it really is universal. A lot of things I'm going to share with you today um, because it speaks overall to mental health, whether uh, you're an individual, you're a manager, you're an employee, you're a parent, or you're a child. The aspects of mental health really in many ways are universal, and we have a responsibility for both ourselves and for those that we have responsibility for or that we have the opportunity to help uh, to be able to navigate some of the challenges that might exist uh, in their mental health journey as well. It really is something that is becoming more and more prevalent in our society as we recognize the link between mental health and really performance, whether it's in the workplace or at home, right? Or professionally or socially or mentally. Mental health more and more is being seen as an incredible important component just about every facet of life. And I wanted to just share with you a few of the things that I, I learned in preparing for this presentation. I thought that would, would make for a good episode today. One of the things that I started out with, and this is a fun little activity you're welcome to do with your own kids, your family, employees, any capacity, and it fits with a, a myriad of different topics. But I, I had them start out by just standing up and holding a water bottle, just roughly about 12 ounces, a typical water bottle, just had them hold it out straight forward. And I had them do that just as I, I told them a little bit of a story. And, and so I want you to imagine, here's this room full of people that are just holding a water bottle straight out in front of them. The story that I told, told them was a little bit of my own mental health experience, especially as it relates to the workplace, but it, it also fits very well into just about every other aspect that it can be applied to. Um, there was a point in time where I went through something very traumatic for me that involved a, a complete shift in my life. And you've many of you that have been following this podcast know that I've referred often to my divorce. That was one of the, the biggest life kind of altering and, and changing experiences that I've ever had. And I don't mean to reference it so much that it becomes just the, like a badge of honor or even a crutch. I mean, it could, could be either sometimes when we wear some of our problems on our sleeves like that. But I, I share it because it was something that was very challenging for me. 
And I know that many of you can relate, whether you've gone through divorce or are going through divorce, but also just in going through anything that is life-altering or changing, because that's the effect that it had on me. And it was a very difficult point in time in my life where I made a very huge transition, everything in my life, from the, the profession I had, where I lived, and obviously the family that I had um, you know, become accustomed to, and the life that I had always had envisioned for myself. In going through that, I, I also started a new job, and that was a very difficult thing to navigate, to start this new job and profession, trying to learn everything about it and be a good employee in the process while suffering tremendously in silence. You know, not to mention a, a very difficult breakup that would happen in, uh, you know, about a short time after that that also affected my mental health and ability to perform my, my job. One of the things that helped me the most through those experiences while I was working was having a manager and a friend that cared about me and that took the opportunity to talk to me about some of the challenges that I was going in, that, that was cognizant enough of me as a person that they recognized when um, I was not acting like myself. And so, and they took the time to ask questions and to find out what was going on in my life and really created a safe space where I could open up and, and talk to him about those kinds of things. It helped me to feel safe in my job, in my personal life, and it really allowed me to develop a connection with somebody that could give me some great counsel, advice, and even just support through a listening ear as I shared some of the, the challenges that I was experiencing as a person. And I will forever be grateful for that kind of a manager that I had at that point in time in my life that, that helped me to navigate through those mental health challenges that I was going through and to find a good balance in my life between work and, and managing the stress that I was, was going through. And as I kind of shared that story with them, uh, and I took a lot longer to, to kind of give the details and tell that story because I wanted to talk long enough where that 12-ounce bottle that those individuals were holding as a part of my presentation suddenly felt a lot heavier than 12 ounces. And sure enough, by the time I got through telling that story, I could see in many of their faces how many of them were struggling to keep that bottle still outward, right? They wanted it to bend their, their, their arms. They wanted to lift it up. They wanted to do anything but just hold it straight. I eventually told them it would be okay to put it down, which they did, to the sound of great relief. I could see the relief on their faces. It had it'd gotten very heavy for them. Then I just asked them a question, and I asked them, what... And, and how does this little activity, just simply holding a water bottle for an extended period of time, how might it relate to mental health? What lessons can we take away from this? And it was very interesting, some of the insights they came up with. One person said, you know, I didn't want, I was struggling, but I didn't want anybody to see that I was. And so I, I really tried to put on a brave face. And I thought, yeah, it, isn't that what we do with when it comes to our mental health? We don't want and we don't want people to know that we're struggling. We don't want to let people see that we're hurting. So we, we tend to hide it. Another one said, I, I didn't want to be the first to put the water bottle down. So I, I kept going even though it was very painful. And I thought, ah, isn't that interesting? Sometimes because we don't want to be seen as weak, we fail to do what is best for us. Anyway, there were a myriad of other answers that we get could that were given and, and maybe some that you could even think of yourself as you kind of envision that little uh, experience happening. But overall, it led to a great discussion of, of mental health and how, like with that water bottle, many of us are carrying things, seen and unseen, that are very heavy. And really, the essence of, of mental health and of managing our health mentally 
is finding ways and opportunities to put those things down occasionally, to not carry them so long that they cause permanent damage or hurt us in such a way that they keep us from really finding joy in life. There will always be heavy things to carry, but when we can find ways and opportunities to take a break from them, right, put them down, catch our breath, um, do something that you know reinvigorates us and, and helps prepare us to pick it back up and keep going and carrying it, that's really the essence of, of mental health. And I think there's far too many of us in the world today that make our mental health uh, a last priority when it really needs to be the first priority. And I use that experience to also teach the responsibility that we have for those that we are responsible for to help make sure they also are making their mental health a priority, whether it was, again, kids or employees or anyone, friends, family. We all have a responsibility to each other to make sure that we are managing our stress and the burdens that we have to carry uh, as best as we can. I then shared with them just some basic mental health statistics where one in five U.S. adults experience mental health illness each year. That's one in five. That is so many. And that one in 20 of all U.S. adults experience serious mental illness each year. That one in six U.S. youth aged 6 to 17 experience a mental health disorder each year. One in six for the youth. And that 50% of all lifetime mental illness begins by age 14 and 75% by age 24. So it happens at a very young age, which is why in, in another statistic, suicide is the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 to 14. That is a mind-blowing statistic. And one of the reasons I'm so passionate for trying to help these kids is because that just cannot be. That needs to change. And one of my favorite quotes as it relates to mental health comes from John Campo of, of Johns Hopkins Medical Center when he said, when mental health is ultimately recognized as essential to physical health, not an extraneous element of it, then we will have access to true, complete, modern medicine. Just again, a good reminder that our mental health is everything. It is so important as it relates to every other aspect of our health. And, and to de define what mental health is, I, I looked up on mentalhealth.gov just a, a general uh, definition for what mental health is, just to kind of set a benchmark. And on that website, it indicates that mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. I thought that was inter interesting, those three, those three things. I would also include physical, as our physical health seems to impact all those things as well, emotional, psychological, and even social. Um it affects how we think, how we feel, and how we act. And it also helps determine how we handle stress, how we relate to others, and the choices that we make. And mental health is important at every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence through adulthood. And so one of the best things I think that we can do as parents is begin to teach our kids the importance of managing their mental health. And one of the things that I spent some time with this group of people trying to explain and help them to understand is that our mental health really is closely tied to our view of self. How we feel about ourselves has a tremendous impact in our overall mental health. Those with higher self-esteem have typically a higher level of mental health than those that have a low self-esteem and a low view of themselves they typically will have a greater struggle with overall mental health. And so the question that I would invite you to consider as you're listening today, especially right here at the beginning, is the title of this episode, and that is, Who Are You? If you had to write down a one or two sentence answer 
of who you are, what kinds of things would that entail? What words would you use? What uh, things would you use to describe yourself? What accomplishments would you list? What things do you do might, might be a part of that definition of who you are? After coming to terms with that and thinking through that and what that would be for you, in fact, I would invite you to do that as you listen to the rest of this for just a moment, is then I, I want to try to answer that question for you that really speaks to the heart of mental health. And, and it begins with a equation that, that I like to call the enough equation that I learned as I was going through my own challenges and problems and, and received life coaching myself from a wonderful, wonderful mentor by the name of Angela Bell, um, who taught me about this enough equation that uh, worth plus power equals safety. And I know many of you have probably heard me reference this before because it is an integral part of everything that I do and teach. But I always like to start with safety, that safety is an intrinsic human need that every single one of us has. And it is the number one job and function of our human brain, in fact, is to keep us safe. And I like to, to pose the question, why do you think that is? Why is, it, is safety so important to all of us as individuals, as a family, as a society, community? Why is safety always at the top of the list in everything that we try to do and create? Well, the reality is that's where we can be ourselves the most. That's why we love safety is because that's where the walls can come down. That's where we can be who we truly are. And we love being who we are. We all do. None of us really likes being anything that we're not or pretending to be something that we're not. We love being who we are. It feels so good to just be ourselves and to be loved and to be accepted for that, which is why we have the, typically the friends that we have. That's their people that we feel safe with, right? Hopefully in our homes and with our families, those are places where we feel safe. However, we don't always feel safe, do we? Sometimes there are things that happen in life that cause us to fear a little bit, to worry about the future or what's going on in our lives. or We just don't feel secure in, in who we are and in the experiences or circumstances that we might find ourselves in. And when that happens, what we tend to do is try to grab our worth from anything close to us. When we feel off balance, we feel like we're falling, we feel that fear, we tend to reach out and try to grab and to steady ourselves and to, to bring validation to who we are. Um, or we try to use our power in unhealthy ways to, to try to mitigate some of that fear and bring all that back into balance. But the truth is, and this is what I try to point out and to all those that I work with and I'm continue, continuing to try to learn myself, is that our worth cannot be earned and it cannot be lost. That it is a fixed point that our worth is infinite and it is eternal. And it will always be that way, especially in, in the eyes to the eyes of God. Right? You can take the, the most wealthy man on earth and put him up against the poorest man on earth, and those individuals will always have the same worth in heaven's eyes. There's nothing we can do to add to that worth. There's nothing we can do to take away from it. And then the second part is our personal power. Right, In every situation, in every circumstance, we always have power, even if it feels like we don't. Right, We can't always control the consequences of our choices, but we still always have a choice. And sometimes people may try to take that power away or limit that power, but even in those situations, we always have a choice. Viktor Frankl, in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, referenced this often when he pointed out that the Germans, as a part of his experience as a Jewish um, concentration camp prisoner, 
um, tried to take away everything and did literally from their lives. He lost his home, he lost his family, um, lost his profession, uh, lost even the clothes on his back, was fed very little. He had nothing. But he said the one thing that the Germans could not take from him was his ability to choose how he responded to those things. He always had power. And that's what we always have as well. And we always have a choice. And I love understanding that and teaching that because it helps us stay in a place of power when we can very easily slip into a place of being a victim. And whenever we fall into a victim mentality, we have no power. And so trying to keep those two things in balance is paramount to helping us to feel safe. And often we go to great lengths to try to, to help ourselves feel safe in unhealthy ways by trying to, to grab our worth from anything outside of us. Right? We look at society and we can make a list of all kinds of things that people tend to try to grab to show their value and to validate who they are. Uh, things like money and, and power. We have material possessions, cars, clothing, cell phones, vacations, uh, everything, right? Uh, sometimes even, it, this is the thing that's so scary, they can become so subtle that we don't even realize that we're utilizing them as worth grabs. And really anything outside of us can be used to bring validation all in an effort to help us to feel more safe. And this is one of the reasons why there's such a struggle with mental health is because none of these things that are outside of us are meant to last. And so none of them can sustain our sense of self indefinitely. And without a sense of self, there is no mental health. That's just how it is, which is one of the reasons why I think we see our young people struggling so much today. There's so much emphasis being placed on them in the way that they look, the way that they appear to others, uh, the kind of styles and clothing that they have, the accomplishments that they have, the kind of grades that they have, right? The latest possessions that they have. If they have the latest cell phone or a car or, or a girlfriend or friends, all these kinds of things. If they have those things or if they don't have those things, then they don't have as much worth. And so when they do have those things, yeah, they feel better about themselves for a moment until something changes, right? Which is why we see these huge swings in be behavior and, and mental health with, with young people is there is very little stability in their sense of self. We have to get them back to recognizing that their worth is not tied to what they do or how they do it or what they don't do, that they always have worth as individuals. And we as parents and leaders and adults have a responsibility to help them feel that regardless of the mistakes they make, regardless of the failures that they have, and to help them to feel and recognize that they always have worth and are loved independent of those things. And then to teach them that they always have power and to how to use that power and protect it through boundaries. And then the proper use of boundaries, they will always be able to, to maintain their power and use it in a good and a healthy way. Not by trying to control or manipulate others or life in general um, or not giving their power away in unhealthy exchanges with others all in an attempt to, to maintain safety, but be able to use it in a meaningful and powerful way to empower them. When a person feels their worth, recognizes their worth, knows their worth, and they feel empowered as an individual, then they can take life head on with all the confidence in the world that everything's going to be okay. And they can operate in life from a place of safety, which will allow room for the best mental health for them to possibly have. It's very closely tied to the concept of a much earlier podcast episode that I did, simply titled Be, Do, Have, where we focus first on being, and then we do, and then we let the haves take care of themselves. 
where it's so easy to get those those words, that process mixed up. Young people often think if I just have you know better grades, if I if I have uh, more money, if I have more popularity, if I have more friends, I'll be able to do more, right? And then I'll be happier. And those things aren't sustainable. And the happiness comes and, and this goes. It's so fleeting because, well, everything that they are basing their worth on, uh, again, are things that are external. And really same with do have be, right? It's very easy for a lot of people, especially for us as adults, to think, well, gosh, if I just do more, if I do more work, if I you know, accomplish more, then I'll be able to have more. I'll have more money. I'll have more time. If I uh, you know, exercise more, I'll have a better body. Then I will be happy. I'll be more confident. I'll just be able to take life on better. And, and again, that doesn't work either because it's all based on things we're doing externally. When in reality, both our worth and our power can only come from within. And, but when it does, and we focus on being first, being happy, being confident, being love, right? That then we do all the things that happy and confident and loving people do. And then we have the things that those kinds of people have. The haves take care of themselves. It's one of the reasons why self-care is so important. It really flips the script on the way that we've been conditioned to live life where our idea is I just need to do more outside of myself to be able to have more and accomplish more. And the reality is, no, it's just the opposite. When you focus on taking care of yourself first, instead of taking everything off your plate, focus on expanding the plate, you have the capacity and the ability to do more. That's one of the best things I think we can do for our kids as well. Yes, push them to, to do well in school and athletics or whatever else that they're doing, but also make sure that they are taking the time to expand their plate, to have fun, to be kids, to enjoy life. That is going to help them to be better at class and in school, to be a better athlete, to perform at a higher level because they are living in a higher state of being and they're learning to take care of themselves in the process. Now, there's a, a few tips that I shared with this group about how to create more of a safe environment to help facilitate true worth and power and to help those things remain in alignment, uh, not only for ourselves, but also for our kids and in, in their case, even for their employees. And, and the first one is to promote a good work-life balance or a school-life balance. I can't tell you how many kids I've worked with over the years that haven't had that balance. It has been school, school, school all the time, which has led to burnout, frustration, discouragement, you know, and, and absolute anxiety when they get anything less than an A. There just hasn't been this, this work-life balance, school-life balance that is so important and helpful for just overall mental health. And so as a parent, one of the things that you could do that would help yourself and your kids out so much is to be able to, to find that balance. To be able to achieve a balance between, yes, getting everything done that needs to be done, but also doing things that you want to do for yourself and taking care of yourself in a healthy way. Also, just learning to discuss mental health in general at home is huge. Helping kids to understand that mental health is an important aspect of life is paramount to them being able to have a successful life. To be able to, to empower them to become aware of their own mental health, to recognize when they need to take a break. That, uh, that there I am feeling anxiety. So I need I recognize that I need to slow down a little bit. I need to give myself some space to do some other things that will help me to calm down and to find a better balance in my life. And really another tip that we can do is just make overall wellness a priority. 
um, help inspire, motivate our kids to not just take care of them themselves mentally, but also socially, making sure they're getting out and having opportunities to interact with friends and, and family, and, and also physically, taking care of themselves physically, getting enough sleep, getting exercise, drinking enough water, all the pillars of just overall physical and mental health are, are incredibly important in helping them to v- develop just a, a lifestyle of wellness. Also, as parents, just providing opportunities to to do things outside of the normal day-to-day routine, trying to, to add some variety, going for a hike, going for a walk, playing games together, doing things that are like basically putting that water bottle down, right? Letting them have opportunities, providing opportunities for them to put all their care, all their concern, all their worry down and just forget for a little bit a lot of the pressures and the challenges of life and just have fun. Being able to take a break like that is absolutely crucial for them as much as it is for us as well. Um, And then also just reducing, trying to reduce the stigma uh, behind mental health and letting kids know that it's okay to not be okay. Reminding ourselves that it's okay to not be okay. We're always so quick to go to the doctor whenever there's any kind of physical ailment. Wouldn't it be great if we could talk about openly some of the ailments that we might have and be experiencing mentally as well. Now, to tie this all back in together, one of the things that I had this particular group do is write down on a piece of paper one one more time, two things. First of all, if they changed anything about the way that they define themselves, who they are, um, to rewrite that definition again based on all the things that we talked about. It was interesting to see how many of them mentioned that they changed quite a bit, that it went from all the things that they did to more just about who they were as a person. They took away the accomplishments. They took away what they did for work. They took away all of those kinds of things, the labels that we tend to put on ourselves, and they were just more simple in who they were as a person, that I am a person that loves life, that loves my family, that loves to be involved in the community, that loves to help others. They went from defining themselves based on things outside of them to defining themselves based on what was on the inside. And then as a part of that, I had them all write down on a piece of paper something that they were really struggling with personally, something that they were going through that was really hard. I had to make sure to not put their name on it and then turn it in and give them to me. And then we went through and we read them together. And it was so insightful to hear about their struggles personally. It was so interesting to watch them come in initially and just introduce themselves to each other and talk about what they did for work, which, you know, it was a work networking event. So that was very normal for them to do. But the whole point of this experience was to help them to see that we are more than what we do, that their employees are more than just employees, that our kids are are more than just uh, students at school or athletes, that they are just like all of us, very real people with very real problems and concerns. And the best way for us to help each other is to get to that level of connection, the where we see past all the surface things and see what's really going on beneath the surface and being okay to open ourselves up to each other in that way. I referenced my trip to the, the Redwood National Forest And the amazing thing that I learned there and that the way that these incredible trees support each other is through their connection in the roots beneath the surface. That because those roots are intertwined with each other, that's what gives them the ability 
to stand as tall and to grow as strong and to last as long as what they have. And there's a the great lesson in that for us. We live in a state in the world's history where we never have had more opportunities to connect with each other, yet we've never felt less connected than what we do today. Because so much of that connection, I believe, is happening above the surface. When in order for us to really connect in a way that really is helpful and supportive to all of us and conducive to the best mental health that we can have, that those connections need to take place and happen beneath the surface at a very real level. And so whatever you can do in your lives, in your homes, with your families, with your friends, to have opportunities to connect on a real level, to share real challenges, real concerns, to help create that, that safe environment where those that you're around feel comfortable and vulnerable and safe to open up and share those kinds of challenges and problems with you. I, I mentioned to this group, wouldn't it be great if, yes, we all came in and introduced ourselves and talked about um, what we do for work, but then we weren't also too afraid to open up and share some of our real concerns with each other. How many of us could help and support each other through those kinds of things that have been through them ourselves if we just weren't so afraid of opening up and making those connections? That's what we really need to do and, and try to accomplish when it comes to developing true mental health. Because the better that we are connected to each other, the better our mental health will be. I really think a lot of our mental health struggles come from places and, and feelings where we are alone, where we don't have that connection. And it all comes back to our sense of self. One of the things that I've noticed, especially as it relates to faith, is I always like to tie these things into faith, is that God has always been so quick to remind us of who we are, to remind us of our worth to Him and to others, and also to help us to recognize that we always have power. He is the ultimate at creating safety in a safe space. One of the first things he would always say or instruct any of his messengers to say is fear not. He dispels fear at the slightest sight of it because he knows and recognizes that in order for us to truly be ourselves, uh, we need to feel safe. And in order for us to really feel safe, we need to know who we are. And we need to know that we have unlimited potential and power, especially when we partner with him. And on the other hand, one of the things that I have seen the adversary do, Satan do quicker than anything, is attack our sense of self-worth and try to get us to misuse our power in unhealthy ways, even give him our power. Those are the two things that he is at war to take from us and are the very two things that God is doing all that he can to empower us to keep. And I know for me personally, whenever I have found myself questioning my sense of self, my self-worth, uh, the power that I have to create the life that I want, and have then felt unsafe as a result of that, that whenever I have approached him, when I've reached out to him, when I've prayed to him, when I've turned to him, I have always felt a guiding hand bringing those things back into alignment for me. I felt better about myself. And I started to recognize when it came to my life's challenges and problems that because he has all power, I have access to all power and that everything would be okay. And that has done absolute wonders for my mental health. 
as well as making sure that I take the occasional break and time to put down whatever it is heavy that I've been carrying. Maybe go do a little fishing, go do a little shooting, a little hiking, spend time with my daughters, play games, maybe even a little Xbox from, from time to time with my brothers, whatever it is that just helps me to be able to manage my stress and just have an overall higher quality of mental health. And I know as parents, you're doing everything that you can to help your own children to navigate their own journey and their challenges and to promote positive mental health in their own life. And so I would just encourage you to just continue to do the same. None of us are perfect at what we're doing. None of us have done this before. We're all just really trying to do the best that we can. One of the best things I think we can do for our own mental health is give us space and give us grace to be less than perfect and to allow our children to cultivate that same space for themselves. Anyway, I hope that this has been helpful for you guys. I hope there's some things in here that you can take away and apply to your own lives, to your own situations, to your own children, your families, and helping just to promote an overall better sense of self and well-being and mental health. It really is one of the best things that we can do for both ourselves and our children. Thank you guys for listening today, and, and I hope this has been helpful. I hope there's some things you can take away from this to really focus on this week and apply into your own lives, your own circumstances, and, and be able to pass on and teach your kids as well. And if this has been helpful, I would invite you to do two things. One, maybe share this episode today with somebody that you think would benefit from it as well. And then two, if you haven't left me a review yet on this particular podcast, if you wouldn't mind doing that, all those things are so helpful in being able to get the word out there and, and helping others to find this, to be able to start listening to it. I appreciate all of you that have shared this podcast so much already. It really means the world to me. And I'm so thankful that I've been able to connect with so many of you on a deeper level through this podcast. You guys are amazing and I love each and every one of you. I hope that you have the best week. Until next time, I'm Josh Downs and you've been listening to The Drive.